Thank you. So we have been working on a series of who Jesus is to us. Also, we've kind of called it the names of Jesus, okay? And we have gone through a bunch of different ones over the time period. Um, <clears throat> it's been a whole bunch of different ones from the good shepherd to the door to the light, uh, the Lamb of God we have talked about, the Word, the life. Um, we're going to do a little bit different one today. It's not necessarily a specific name, but who Jesus is to us, all right? What, what he means to us. And I was probably about uh, 19 or so, and I brought home a little tiny puppy dog, okay? His name was Ulysses, and I picked that name because I didn't ever figure that uh, my wife would ever let me call any of our kids Ulysses, so I picked it for the dog. <laughs> no matter, I didn't have a wife at the time, but no matter who, I'm sure it wasn't going to work. So. so Ulysses was a little puppy dog, came from one of my best friend's homes. They found him in a swamp along with a whole entire litter of puppies, and the night I finally bring, brought him home, I had a service jacket uh, where I was working, and I zipped it up partway and put him inside. It was a cold night. Put him inside, and he rode home. Well, he quickly outgrew that <laughs> size. Um, he grew up to be a pretty good-sized dog, and he loved to be with me doing things. And one of the habits that we got in was doing some rabbit hunting, I don't particularly care about rabbit hunting, but I wanted to go out and spend time with him and in hopes that he would have some joy in his life. And I grew up with other hunting dogs, and I knew how much they loved it. So when I had Ulysses and we, I took him out hunting, he would go with me, and he would bury himself underneath brush and push rabbits out. Uh, he would crawl under stuff. There was, there was one place I remember, and probably the whole size of this sanctuary at least, there was grapevine, and it had grown about two and a half, three feet high across the entire thing, and for years it wrapped. I mean, the sizes of them were, were three and four inches across in diameter, and that whole area was a huge grapevine, and it had tangled itself. It was so heavy that I could walk on top of it and not crush it. Just grapevines, the whole thing. Well, of course, underneath was all space, little tiny tight spaces everywhere, and that is rabbit heaven underneath there. Well, Ulysses would run around and around and around this patch of these grapes, and eventually he just got so frustrated that he jammed himself underneath it. And he crawled on his belly, just pushing. I mean, I remember watching the kind of the vines move as he crawled across the entire thing. And out came the rabbits, but he got them out. Scraped himself across and got out. And he'd go and try to do it again. He just loved doing it. Going out with me, rabbit hunting. And we did it almost every single year of his life. So as soon as he was big enough, he, he, was, uh, he was about 20 years old when he was finally gone, and uh, we went out and out and out, and oh, he, I would get the gun, and man, he would just start to get crazy. He's going to go, and he's going to run out, and he's darking at me, 
jump in the truck, jump out, and out he goes as soon as we get there. Well, finally, uh, each year, as time passed, as he got upwards closer to 20 years old, he lost a little bit more and a little bit more of his vigor. And over time, his energy was gone. Now, that first time when he pushed his way under those grapevines, he got out and he hunted for probably four or five hours and he went home and he slept for two days. He didn't get up. He just laid flat for two days. I'm like, I don't know if I killed him or not. <laughs> and he got back up. He was ready to do it. As soon as he got up two days later, ready to go back. He wanted to go and do it. Well, over time, you know, it'd get where he couldn't jump as high. And eventually I had to start helping him get in the truck to get to go where we were going to go. But he would get out and go around and work. And we'd pick easier spots to go <laughs> rabbit hunting as time went on. And then finally... He was upwards probably almost 19 years old at the time. And just like the last few times, I got him out there. I helped him up into the truck. And we drove over, and I shut the truck off where we were going to get out. And I walked around, and I opened the door for him to get out. And he sat there and looked at me. <laughs> that was it. He never got out again. We never went rabbit hunting again. He just didn't have the drive. He lost his desire. He lost his energy. The thing that he loved so dearly and what he wanted to do for so much. I mean, it was, it was the only time it was just him and me out there. And there was nothing I could do to help him. It was over. All of that energy was gone. He just sat and stared. And I looked at him for a while, tried to coax him out, and I said, Nah, we're good. Shut the door, and we went for a ride. Sometimes in our life, we get where we feel that way. We get where we feel worn out. We feel downtrodden. We feel like we don't have any energy. We feel like maybe we feel rejected. A loss of joy. Those things that used to really excite us and get us going. Those things that used to drive us and we could go and go and go have now really just become some sort of a heavy burden. Happens in life. It happens in life over time. We have a loss of desire, oftentimes. And it's not in all seasons of our life, but if we have a loss of desire, there's almost nothing that can get us to get going again. It's a very difficult time to keep going. It's darker than that the way that I was raised was get up and pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get going. There's a weariness that is a little darker than that. It's a little deeper than that. It really becomes something where the inner flame is just about smoldering, if not uh, the inner flame almost gone. Just have nothing left in you. Just have used it all up. It becomes weary, deeper than your body, it is a weariness 
of your soul. Now, if you've been there, you don't necessarily have the words to explain it when you're there. You don't know what to say, you just feel empty at that moment, or those days, or those years even sometimes. Now we've been talking about Jesus, how he's been called all those different names. We talked about the Lamb of God, and again how he was the life, and how he was the, bre- the bread of life, and how he was the good shepherd, and all those different things. But there's something that a little different, like I told you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11 as we look at this. For those who are worn, worn out, Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start with verse number 28. A promise of Jesus, direct words of Jesus And some days in your life and some seasons in your life, there is nothing better than hearing these particular words. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is for those who are worn out, right? For those who are bearing that burden. This is for something very deep. I'll give you rest, he says. So the question is, now that sounds great when you're worn out, right? You're going to give me rest. You're going to do something. It sounds fantastic. So let's look at how God does it, right? Because you get the big question mark. If he's going to give you rest, then I want to know how. I want to know how he's going to do it. How is he going to give you the rest you need? Well, let's go to verse 29 as we look at it and see what God's answer is. And it's a little surprising. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you don't know what a yoke is, somewhere around here we've got one hanging around. But let me just start with, yokes aren't for rest. Okay? <laughs> that, is, that is not what they are built for. Yokes are for work, hard work, heavy burdens, heavy loads. That's what they do. They are literally a piece of wood, okay? And it goes up, essentially, and wraps around the neck of two animals, particularly oxen or yokes, okay? And they put these uh, wooden straps basically around their necks, and it's meant to put heavy burdens on the shoulders, the upper shoulders of an oxen. That's what a yoke is to do. Now, it's a very similar thing to a harness for a horse, but it's just set up a little, little bit differently shaped for oxen here. So he says, if you want rest, you come to me and put a yoke on. Well, that's totally opposite of what you'd ever think that it should be. God's answer to rest is work. Sounds strange, doesn't it? Sounds very strange. Like, it's not even right. 
Well, here's the thing that he's saying specifically. If you want this rest, if you don't want to be worn out, downtrodden, things like that, where your inner flame is almost gone, all right, he's not fully talking about physical rest. There's something else going on in this passage, all right? There is a way that God often gives us rest. There are daily times where God gives us rest. Almost everybody sleeps every day. Maybe not enough, (laughs) right? But almost everybody gets some season of rest in a daily amount, okay? And then God sometimes gives us other days of rest. In particular, he said, hey, Sundays or God's day, give me a day of rest. It's for you to rest because he knows that we are feeble. And that's a physical rest that he wants to give. Sometimes he gives us vacations or days off, times where we can kind of get away from things, where we don't have to go through the normal routine of things. It's always nice to get up maybe a few minutes later than you do on a day off normally, sit and drink a cup of coffee on your porch in the sunshine or something, right? It's nicer than getting up and going to work. It gives you a little bit of physical rest. You don't have to get up and go to the grind, okay? Sometimes God even puts a little sickness in our life to knock us down because we won't rest. And then you have to rest. So God... God gives us rest in many different ways. But that's not the particular type of rest that I'm talking about, although God does supply them to us in many ways. He gives us those different options. This is not a rest that you can sleep enough to get away this weariness or this worn out. You can't sleep it off. You feel like maybe you should just go to sleep because your energy is sapped and drained. You feel like you can't keep going, and so the natural thing is to pull back and to sit back and to not engage. And Jesus says, no, that's the wrong way. I want you to engage, but I want you to engage right next to me. That's what I want you to do. I want you to get under the yoke next to me. This is where Jesus is. And I want you to be here. Get into this work. He says, don't shrink back from the things that you need to be doing with me. He says, get in and engage. When you're feeling worn out and downtrodden and rejected, you can't find the joy you once had, your burden, your loss of desire. When those things go... He says, get in and pull the load with me. That's what I want you to do. Do it with me. Because, he says, it will be light and easy for you. Because I'm doing the work. He says, but you need to go through this. You need to get back in that emotion and not disengage from everything. Because that will bring connection back to me and to the people that are my people. It will put you back in where you need to go. And he says, then I will give you rest. And what kind of rest is he saying in particular? 
When you learn of me, he said, take upon my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest unto your souls. That's the type of weariness that Jesus is talking about getting rid of. That's where he will give you rest when you engage with him. So we need a couple of things, and I'm going to submit to you a couple of ideas here, in particular how he gives rest for your soul. When you have this load, this heavy burden, and that might include worry, might include worry, that burden might include guilt. And all those things will strip you of your joy. So how does he suggest that we pull with him? Here's a couple things. First John, chapter 1, if we go back to First John, this is the first thing we should do to give us rest unto our souls. This is how we work, get under the yoke with Christ. The very first thing we do, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 4. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Okay? So that loss of joy that you had, that loss of joy comes back from <clears throat> comes back from this, okay? You're going to get your joy back if you do this. Let's continue verse number 5 there. <clears throat> this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is nothing in this world that will stamp out your, your joy. There is nothing in this world that will make you more weary, more burdensome, more tired, give you more loss of desire than having something in between you and God it will extinguish your flame. That's the first place to go, is right to God. If you feel this way, this is the very first thing he will do. And it is the most freeing thing. When you go, and what God says there in that passage, you look back in that passage, it says, if you're walking with God, he's going to shine light on you. And that isn't just the first five days you're a Christian. That's the first 50 years, and then if you live longer, more than that, right? He's going to shine his light in you and show you what you're made of. And it's never going to be good, okay? 
You're always going to be disappointed at who you find when God shines the light a little deeper and a little further or another area in your life. You're always going to be disappointed. I'm always shocked at who I really find out who I really am when God says, look here. Oh, okay, right? So when you do this, he says, this is how I bring you joy. That's how John started the passage. I tell you this so you can have joy. Because your joy is gone if there's something between you and God. It will wane and wane until it's just extinguished. All right? So get that thing, whatever it is, whatever God's showing you in your life right now, whatever he's showing me, whatever point of obedience I'm stumbling on, God says, get that thing right. If you confess it, he says, I'm always faithful. Always will forgive it. Every time. And that's your first place where you start back into joy. All right? It's just the start. There is more to come, but you have to start there. And if you keep on top of that, your joy won't be stolen. Okay, if you keep on top of it, you keep going back because you realize. Not because God didn't forgive you all the very first time. He knew what you were going to do. We don't know what we're doing. That's where we miss it out on it. And we think we're all set. I'm pretty good now. Nope, we're not. And God says, this, let me show you this. And let me help you understand this about yourself. All right? So when he shows it to you, if you want joy back in your life... If you want to take guilt and worry and burden out of your life, the very first thing you do is go to him and say, God, I really messed this one up. Help me out with this. And I've messed it up for a long time, and I never even saw it. Or I did see it and didn't want to see it. Okay? Because I'm stubborn along with doing that. And God shows us these things, and he says, you want to feel this joy back. You get that straightened out right off. It's a simple, easy thing to do. Because God did all the work, and he made all the promises, and all you need to do is ask. All right? That part brings you back to joy. That part takes away a weariness in your life that burns you down almost every moment. It runs in your mind. Okay? And it burdens you. So that's the first part of it. Now... That lightens the burden. And it's constant. You've got to know. I've got to go back to him and I've got to confess and I've got to make this right. And if there's somebody you wronged in that whole process, then go back and do it. Tell him. Ask him for forgiveness. As simple as it is and as fast as you can. All right? It will begin to bring it back to you. Now, let's go to John. Not first John, but back in the first Gospels. Uh, in the New Testament, John chapter number 15. As I bring you the second thing. So the first is, ask forgiveness. And this is one of the, the primary ones. It will bring you rest the moment that you have done it. All right? And then the second thing I want to talk about today, these are two major things that bring rest, and it's how God does it, okay? They bring, he brings rest as you're pulling along and doing God's work. 
He brings the rest through forgiveness. And then the second thing is this. John chapter 15. And this is an, an exciting one, a very different one. Okay, John chapter 15, verse number 11. I'm going to read a few verses and I'm going to go back and comment a little bit. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Sounds a little familiar, right? That your joy might be full. Okay, starts with the same idea. How do you get it back? How do you take away the burdens? Here we go. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Next thing that God does to bring rest is does this. He talks about friendship with him. Friendship with Jesus. Okay? And he talks about love, and he talks about laying down his life, and there's no greater love than this. If you lay down your life for a person, okay? He's talking about a deep and abiding friendship of which he wants with you. And he has the best intentions for you, and he has the very best ideas for you, and it says, you are my friends. I've called you my friends. You are my friends if you do what I'm telling you to do. Now, that's not like some guy walking up to say, you do what I tell you and you're my friend, right? In sixth grade, they used to do that because they wanted you to do something. I'll be your friend if you do this for me. Now, that's not the way Jesus is talking. Jesus is saying, I know what's best for you. I understand what you're going through, and I want the best for you, so follow me. If you do these things, you will end up better off. Right? That's how he's saying, if you do what I'm saying, you will be my friends. All right? The only thing you have to do is do what I ask, and your joy comes back. Okay? So... It's very good to have this, and Jesus knows and wants you to be his friend, because he is. I mean, he gave his life for you. But there's something deeper, a better gift, not a better gift, but a more deep part of the gift that he has given to us to enrich our human experience, all right? Here we are and saying, well, Jesus is my best friend, but how do you know that is because he gives and he works through his other followers to be your friends, okay? He uses his other followers to give you those special friendships. And as I think about my life, I look across 
all sorts of people I've known in my life. Lots and lots of people. And I have some good friends outside of this building. But many of the best friends I've ever had in my life have come right in this building. One way or another. Because they come as servants of the Lord. And God says, I'm going to bless you through them. I'm going to give you some. I'm going to show you how much I care for you through the friends that I'm going to put in your life. I'm going to give you something special with this. I'm going to give you your joy back. He says, because I've chosen you. So with friendship is this. Jesus says, I have chosen you. It brings belonging. And if you don't feel like you belong in this church, you probably haven't been here long enough for 10 minutes anyways. You haven't been here for more than 10 minutes because you belong here because God chose you, okay? And the people here care about you. That's what he is always trying to express to you. And so when you get to those points where you're weary and you feel rejected, some person comes up because... They might be listening to God and says, nah, I'm not going to shake your hand today. I'm going to give you a hug today because I just know you need it. All right? And God works through those little things to give you encouragement, to give you connection and belonging. and takes away the worn out pieces. Those things that say, I'm just done. I can't do any more. I'm over with this. Or I feel rejected when someone comes up and says, I'm going to give you a hug today. It's hard to feel rejected when you get that, right? It's harder to feel rejected. I mean, you might be miserable that day, but it's going to change a little bit of who you are. And you say, you know, I don't feel quite so bad. Right? God uses those things. He continually uses those things. I want to say... He brings joy. He brings you purpose in the fruit. And that was in that passage too in John. We don't have time to go through piece by piece. But if you want, if you want to have something back, you pull along with Christ. You get in the yoke with Christ. And he brings fruit into your life. That's purpose. And that's nothing more than giving you as a human a purpose. Which everybody needs. Everybody needs belonging. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs purpose. That's the, the gist of what rest in your soul comes from. That you are satisfied. That you can relax amongst people around you. The people that care for you. It's how you feel with your family. You know, you go off and put that t-shirt on that you wouldn't wear in public with your family... Because right? you feel more relaxed. Well, you can wear whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> but the idea is this is that your soul can relax in a place that's filled with people that care about you. And God knows that. And he uses that. Friday night, I was feeling a little overwhelmed. Um, just before Friday night, as always, I'm running from the moment in the morning I leave the house till the moment that Friday night happens. And I've got to get everything done. And you just don't know how you're even going to do it. And when some friends stepped in, and we kind of just rolled over the finish line at the moment that we needed to, 
And then it all just started to happen, and we got the project done that we were going to work on. Everybody pitched in, and everybody did it. And that changed my outlook a little for that night. Okay, That was different for me than how I felt coming into it. I wasn't feeling any joy at that moment. And by the end, God said, look, I'm doing this. I'm going to help you out. And God brings those things back. Little by little, he shows you. He brings rest to your soul. That's the things that God does. I mean, God does it in many other ways. But to me, these are two major things that he brings you rest. Is he, you, you have forgiveness. That's the place to start. And then friendship and God, direct friendship with God. And that he chose you. But then he shows it through people. And you belong to him. And we belong together. And that's the connection that he says, you need that to feel rest in your soul. Thank you very much. Have a good day.